Perhaps you've heard Passover is Jewish and Easter is Christian. Both are super wrong. Let me tell you. In this video, you're going to see comparisons between Passover and Easter, looking at the biblical support and some of the traditions, and I'll give an evaluation towards the end. All right, it's time to sound the shofar. recorded this comparison of Passover and Easter two days ago, but it was actually kind of confusing. So I'm re-recording and trying to present this in a much more understandable and organized fashion. So first, let's look at the biblical support for each of these. Everything that you want to know about Passover, for at least the basics, all of that can be found in Exodus 12. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and do a word study on Passover to show you that this word is used throughout the Bible 49 times. Uh, well, that's, sorry, that's the Hebrew Bible, uh, the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, it is used 29 times. So it's used a lot. The Hebrew for Passover is Pesach, or Pesach, and the Greek is quite similar. Um, it's Pascha. So, obviously, they just pulled that word into Greek, they transliterated it, and that's what they used. But, if we switch over to look at Easter, what we'll find is that there's nothing. And so that's where some of this weirdness sets in. If you do a search for Easter in a Bible dictionary, so this is Lexham Bible Dictionary, you'll get a little bit of a sense of part, partly where some of the, these issues come from. <clears throat> the word Easter does not appear in the Bible, and an Easter celebration is not mentioned. Though in Acts 12.4, the KJV, the King James Bible, it is used in place of Passover. Some also suggest there are remnants of the concept of Easter in 1 Corinthians 5-7. We'll come back to that later. Easter is a later development of church tradition. Okay, that's interesting. Let's check out another Bible dictionary. This is Easton's Bible dictionary. Easter, originally a Saxon word, Yostra, denoting a goddess of the Saxons in honor of whom sacrifices were offered about the time of the Passover. Hence, the name came to be given to the festival of the resurrection of Christ, which occurred at the time of Passover. In the early English translations, um, the this was uh, taken from the Greek Pascha, so the King James, when it was formed, it, in that one passage I already mentioned, just used the word Easter in place of Passover. <clears throat> All right, so... What we find already is that there's already a bit of interesting confusion between Easter and Passover. A lot of times people think that they're talking about the same thing. 
even when you look at this Bible dictionary, and we'll switch back to that, when you see Easter, you'll also see the word, uh, the Hebrew for Pesach, Pesach, Pascha, 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 Pascha. Each one of these are words for Passover, and the word Easter is being used as the equivalent of Passover. But those are not exactly the same thing. So let's go and, and look at the basic origin of what Easter and Passover are really meant to be. The Passover is meant to be a retelling and a re-experience of what happened to the Israelites in Egypt. So it's best to, to look back at the original story and remember what had happened. Remember, the Israelites were in slavery. They were in Egypt. Joseph had been forgotten. They had been put through hard labor. And they called out to Yahweh, to God, for help, for deliverance. He used Moses, raised him up, gave the land of Egypt a series of plagues. These continued to escalate. And ultimately, Pharaoh did not want to let the people go. They didn't want to lose their slaves. They didn't want to lose their, their hard workers. And so that's when it culminated in the death of the firstborn. The Passover lamb was meant to protect the people of Israel. It's like whoever put the blood of the lamb in the way that had, it had been directed for them to do. In that way, they would be protected. When you go back to Exodus 12, you read through that whole story. I suggest you do that right now. That is the original story of what happened with the Passover. In that story, it gives uh, specific directions on, on how it was to be done, on when it was to be done. And it was given specifically as a remembrance. It was established as a memorial. When we look at the passage, when we go back to Exodus 12, we'll see the, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. No plague will befall you. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. So it was established as something that was going to be forever. Um, it's a, again uh, repeated. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. And it gives the specific day um, as well, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But uh, I wanted to give that as a background to show that it, what the original story was, and that it was established to be celebrated uh, in the future by Israel forever. Now that we've established what Passover is, let's talk a little bit about what Easter is. And most, I think most Westerners have grown up with some sort of idea of, of Easter being connected to Jesus and the resurrection. So some of this will be a little familiar, but even if I go just to read off Wikipedia, you'll see that there's a lot more that's understood as part of the Easter story. And so I want to show this so you can see just kind of how crazy this can get. Easter, also called Pascha, uh, which that word is for Passover, and they're equating these together, or Resurrection Sunday, is a Christian festival 
holiday commemorating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, described in the New Testament as having occurred on the third day after his burial, following his crucifixion by the Romans at Calvary, 30 AD. It is the culmination of the Passion of Jesus, preceded by Lent, a 40-day period of fasting, prayer, and penance. Now, I did not grow up uh, knowing what Lent was, never heard of it, so um, I did know enough that I don't remember that in the Bible. Um, but we've also seen that Easter, at least the word, is not in the Bible either. Um, let's continue on. Most Christians refer to the week before Easter as Holy Week, which contains the days of Easter Tridum, including Maundy Thursday, commemorating the Maundy of the Last Supper. Interesting. As well as Good Friday, commemorating the crucifixion of the death of Jesus. It's also very awkward to call that Good Friday. In Western Christianity, Eastertide, or the Easter season, begins on Easter Sunday, in the last seven weeks, ending with the coming of the 50th day, Pentecost Sunday. In Eastern Christianity, the season of Pascha begins on Pascha and ends with the coming of the 40th day, the Feast of the Ascension. Now, that probably was a mouthful. It's a lot of information of, of things that maybe you haven't heard of or maybe that you've celebrated. And I wanted to show that to show that there's a lot of words that are brought in that don't have direct biblical support. And that's what I really want to get into is and, and, and make sound the shofar about is about what is the Bible support directly. So we've t talked a little bit about some of the basic background of what both of these are. The words in which that they're, they're designated Passover being Pascha, Pesach, and Easter being also called Pascha or Passover. Like, that can make them sound like they're the same thing, but they're not. And before I forget to mention, Easter, that name has only been adopted by Germans and English speakers. I'm not really aware of a lot of others that have adopted that language. Throughout much of the world, the word Passover is still used in correlation with the resurrection, the day of the resurrection. So um, that's something that I thought I should point out before I move on to um, looking at the, the basic background of, of what the Passover and some of the, the original festivals were supposed to mean, and then bringing that into the connections with Easter. So, let's look at what the Bible says. <clears throat> now, I have covered this in another video, talking about the festivals in general. So, I'm just going to focus on the first three. And Leviticus 23 is the best place to find a succinct explanation of these. Leviticus 23, verse 4. These are the appointed feasts of Yahweh, the holy convocations, so the holy meetings, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. 
For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work, but you shall present a food offering for the Lord to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now, um, I'm going to restate kind of what was just said in simpler terms, is that there's three festivals that are around the same time. So the 14th of this first month is the Passover. That kicks off into the week of unleavened bread. So there's Passover, unleavened bread, and then the day after the Sabbath of that week is first fruits. So you've got uh, Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Those are three separate festivals that are a part of one time. There are other festivals. I've covered those in brief before, but these are specifically the ones that are, are important for this conversation right now. When you look into the traditional understanding of Easter, what you see is the Maundy Thursday, which is typically the Last Supper. Um, you've got the uh, Good Friday, so the crucifixion. Uh, you got the Sabbath day, um, and then Resurrection Sunday, and that's typically understood as Easter. Not usually the other days. It's really like the Resurrection, and that's why they call it Resurrection Sunday. So that's the traditional understanding. And so when you look at Passover, uh, when like Jews say Passover, they celebrate Passover, they're usually talking about all the other things too. So one is typically focused on the Passover lamb, even though there are other festivals involved. And one is typically looking um, at the resurrection, even though there are other things involved. So that's part of the confusion. Uh, a, a lot of it, like when the Pascha name was chosen in Greek and, and brought over and exp explaining the resurrection, uh, I would say that was a bit of a mistake because Passover is really primarily really just about the lamb, the Passover lamb um, and that event. So that is a bit different and, and, and there should be a distinction made in that understanding. All right, so the next thing we're going to look at is the timing to look at the difference of, of the calendar. And this is this can get really crazy really fast. So first, let's look at, again, um, what Exodus 12 says. And then we'll talk a little bit about how these two events work in the calendar. Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. All right. So 
I almost don't know where to begin with this because it says that this particular month that they're about to do this whole Passover thing, that that month is the first month of the year. <clears throat> so when is that? Um, when I first shared this story um, with my sixth graders when I was uh, teaching at a Christian school, uh, they're like, wait a minute. So, so like Passover and stuff happened in January. And it's a little bit awkward because the calendar going, talking about months and the year and how you calculate those things is really complex. And so like people have gone into great detail into, in a lot of other videos I'm going to try and give a really simple version of this. Okay, the word month. We get that from the word moon. We have 12 months in a year because there are 12 moon cycles every solar year. Now, that gets a little confusing for a lot of us, uh, especially being born in the West, because our months don't follow moon cycles. They're completely irrelevant. They're not even hardly related because they don't correlate. In the ancient world, everyone counted time by looking at the moon cycles. And they counted the moon cycles different ways. Sometimes it was when uh, the full moon was out is when they started counting a month. Sometimes it was when uh, the, the moon basically disappeared and then reappeared and started another moon cycle. There's a whole lot into that that can get really confusing really fast. Because the moon cycles, there there's a difference in days between 12 moon cycles and a lunar year. I mean, sorry, a solar year. Meaning is that if you just follow one, you're going to be off on the other. One example is the Muslims. They follow a strict lunar calendar, uh, meaning that the holy month of Ramadan, that month changes times of the year every year. I, I believe it's it moves about 10 days. I may be wrong on that. You know, even though it's in winter, one year, as time moves on, as the years go by, it creeps towards the summer and then it creeps back towards the winter over a period of years because that's how the their calendar works is it's following lunar cycles and the the hebrew calendar and uh, many other calendars followed a combination and so they basically had 12 12 lunar months like so 12 months following the moon and then they would add in an additional month occasionally in order to keep the months in uh, a typical season. So when we go back to this particular month that Passover falls into, that month elsewhere in the Bible is called the month of Abib, or modern Hebrew, Aviv. And that word means spring. It's associated with the barley harvest. So... When it talks about the first fruits, that's talking about the harvest of barley. And that has to occur in the spring. 
So that's like a really short version of of how to know when this uh, season starts. So the first month of the year, according to God, is in the springtime. And that'll typically happen in March or April, somewhere in there, because the lunar cycles, again, are going to fall a little differently than the normal, typical Gregorian calendar. I realize that may be a little bit more than what you bargained for, but it's important to try and understand important things to God. I mean, he's the one that designated this is the day. This is the beginning of months for you. So I mention all that to, to show that this is his establishment of time. Uh, this is his establishment of the days, etc. Now let's go take a look at how Easter is calculated. And you'd think that they'd be calculated the same because they're supposed to be the same. But that's not true. All right, so let's take a look again at Wikipedia because it has a pretty good uh, explanation here. It says, Easter and the holidays that are related to it are movable feasts, which do not fall on a fixed date in the Gregorian or Julian calendars, which follow only the cycle of the sun. So that somewhat I just shared helps explain some of that and why they, they have to move a little bit. <clears throat> Rather, its date is offset from the date of Passover and is therefore calculated based on a lunar solar lunisolar calendar similar to the Hebrew calendar. So they're kind of related, but not exactly. The first council of Nicaea established two rules, independence of the Jewish calendar and worldwide uniformity, which were the only rules for Easter explicitly laid down by the council. Now, what that means is that at the council, they were trying to establish the dates, trying to establish the calendar. And they weren't really happy with the way that Jews calculated time. And they wanted to separate. They did not want to rely on the way that the Jews counted things, uh, the way that they uh, counted time, and, and that established when festivals when they would celebrate certain things so when they would celebrate the crucifixion when they would celebrate the resurrection they didn't know how to count time according to the biblical way they just they just didn't get it so looking at passover days of unleavened bread first fruits those didn't really register with them they didn't understand like how the bible counted time and they didn't want to rely on the Jews anymore, so they came up with their own understanding. That's kind of what all of that says. So let's go back to that. So, again, independence of the Jewish calendar and worldwide uniformity. So they didn't want to be on the Jewish calendar. And they wanted everyone to be on the same page. Because if you're counting months yourself, it can be really confusing. Because when does a new month start? Um, most of us have never had to think about that because we pull up a calendar on our phones, um, on a little flip calendar thing with the pictures or whatever. And so some astronomy wizard has told us what days everything is. And, you know, we have leap years and et cetera. We haven't had to think about that, but a lot of other people have put those together 
and that's just kind of what we use. These guys wanted worldwide uniformity, and so they were trying to establish a calendar that they could all get behind. No details for the computation were specified, so they hadn't quite figured it out. They just didn't want to be on the same page with the Jews. These were worked out in practice, a process that took centuries and generated a number of controversies. Again, this is complicated stuff. I can't even begin to get into like how complex this stuff can get. But it has come to be, so Easter has come to be, the first Sunday after the ecclesiastical full moon that occurs on or soonest after 21 March. Even if calculated on the basis of the more accurate Gregorian calendar, the date of that full moon sometimes differs from that of the astronomical first full moon after the March equinox. I told you this gets confusing. The March equinox, it's when the time of the day and the time of the night equal, and that is considered the March equinox. And then uh, they would calculate it, I believe, the first Sunday after that. So they're counting time differently. That's that's the base. That's the basic idea you need to pull away from this, is that time is calculated differently by Christians in trying to establish the times for Good Friday, the resurrection, etc. But when you look at the way that it's calculated by Jews traditionally and looking at the moon cycles, you'll see that this is calculated a little differently. And so even in this year, in the, the time in which I'm making this video right now, these dates don't match at all. Passover and Easter are not close. They're a little over a week apart. And there are some differences in the way that people calculate Passover, because I've already mentioned that people have a little bit of struggle on knowing when the moon cycles start. But you can see that there's a, a big difference in how these are thought through. And a lot of people may think that Passover should always fall on Good Friday, because they do sometimes understand that there's a, a relationship between the Passover lamb and the death of Jesus, right? So a lot, of, a lot of people can at least connect those a little bit, but the Passover, according to the moon cycles and counting the 14th day after the moon cycle starts, will not happen on a Friday, but, you know, like one out of seven times. It just doesn't really happen that often. It, it, that's just not the way that the time is calculated. Perhaps you're still confused how the word Easter got pulled into the rest of these biblical names and holidays. And this is where it can get really weird because its relationship with the spring equinox is where it gets its name. If you go to a pagan website, you can read where they say it came from. The goddess of spring, to pagans old and new, is Ostara. Her name is representative of the spring equinox and has been adapted to modern pagan customs. The spring equinox is also called Ostara. Now remember, the spring equinox, that's when the daylight and the time of the night are equal times. So that was how they calculated it. And Around uh, ancient times, the way that they established a lot of their time and 
pagan festivals as well as other types of events was on these types of events. So the spring equinox, this time when the, the day and the evening are equal time, that by the Saxons appears to have been when they celebrated this fertility goddess, Ostara. Ostara, goddess of the ancient story of spring. Have you ever wondered where, their where the term Easter comes from? The word isn't written in the Bible, which we've established, yet Christians prefer refer to Jesus' resurrection day as Easter. The term Easter actually originates with the goddess of spring's name, Ostara. Ostara was the goddess of the spring, and her reign began on the vernal spring equinox. She was worshipped by the Germanic people of Europe before the rise of the church. In Bede's 8th century writings, he refers to Ostara as the goddess who was worshipped in the spring and by whom the holiday Easter is named after. Now, that's weird. Now, I don't understand why that became so popular, why that name was pulled in so strongly, because... A lot of Christian history is, is filled with pushing away pagan-related items, but somehow this one got pulled in and still remains the popular name. In fact, before I move on, there's a, a, a really great book called The Case for Christ. And a portion of that book that deals with the resurrection uh, was taken out and then republished, and it's called The Case for Easter. Now, if you read it, it's actually a really good, really good, interesting case for the resurrection of Jesus. But it's called the case for Easter, and Easter's never even mentioned in the book. So there's a, a, an assumption that the word Easter, even though it has pagan origins, a lot of us don't realize that is being used as the title of this really important really important time of the resurrection of Christ. And that is really weird. Now let's look at a little bit of history on how some have come to understand Easter, and then we'll move into some of the traditions of Easter and Passover. For many people of the Christian faith, Easter is the most important holiday of the year. It is the culmination of the religious season of Lent and the day on which Christians celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. In addition to its religious importance, Easter is also a popular secular holiday, thanks to its association with the Easter Bunny, colorful decorated eggs, and of course, all that candy. The first recorded celebration of Easter was back in the second century, but it probably goes back even further than that. According to one popular theory, early Christians adopted Easter from a pagan festival celebrating Eostra, the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring and fertility, the goddess consorted with a hare, which, as the theory goes, was the original inspiration for today's Easter Bunny. But it appears that little evidence exists to support this story. So where did the Easter Bunny actually come from? Rabbits are an ancient symbol of fertility and new life. Two ideas strongly associated with spring and with Easter. The connection between rabbits and Easter arose in Protestant Europe in the 17th century and was probably brought to America a century later by German immigrants. In my studies on the subject, it has been kind of confusing how Christianity pulled some of these concepts and, and practices 
into uh, their celebration of the resurrection. But regardless of why it happens, it happens. And if we look at some like just basic traditions that are associated with the time, it is very, very odd at best. <clears throat> so let's take a look. Um, you know, we see the Easter Bunny. Okay. Well, we kind of just established a little while ago that, like, rabbits are associated with fertility. Like, fertility, the fertility goddess, um, Ostara, or however you pronounce her name. Um, you've got um, the Easter eggs. Again, eggs, bunnies, all those are linked to tradition, um, pagan tradition type activities and, and that season. Easter candy, etc. You know, I don't know about the Easter parades and some other stuff. But what we see, I mean, like a lot of us have grown up with Easter egg hunts and then there's like Easter rolling. I've never actually done that, but I've heard about it, like the White House does it or something. And I've heard some ex explanations. I'd be like, well, you know, the egg, it's kind of like when Jesus had to die and then when he rises from the dead, that's kind of like when it hatches and it springs into life. And well, I mean, those aren't from the Bible. Like that's people wanting to use eggs and that type of, of symbol and then pull that idea into the Bible. But that's not drawing it from the Bible. So that's a little weird. All of those traditions are a little odd at best. At worst, they're straight pulling from pagan activities and somehow Christianizing them. And I'm not a fan of that. Now, let's switch over and look at some of uh, the Passover celebrations. The Passover, we've already mentioned before, but there are some traditional Jewish observances that are uh, interesting to take note of. This is a picture of a Passover plate. And each of the little things on the plates represent pieces of the re retelling of the story of Passover, of the plagues. I think we'll see that in a second. When Jews typically do the Passover meal, they'll use a, uh, a book that's called the Haggadah. And it's a, it's a formatted book that tells the story of Passover through the Seder. The Seder is just a, a Hebrew word that has come to mean uh, order or the, the order of, of the events, the order of the, the meal in retelling the story. And the Hebrew word Haggadah means telling. It is used to tell the story of Passover. So what is a Seder? Hebrew word Seder means order. And the Passover Seder is a home ritual blending religious rituals, food, song, and storytelling. Families hold a Seder on the first and sometimes second night of Passover. So they sit around, eat, drink, tell the story. Let's go to the Seder plate. So I just showed you a picture of the Seder plate. Each food is symbolic for an aspect of Passover. A roasted shank bone represents the Pesca sacrifice, so Passover sacrifice. An egg represents spring and the circle of life. Bitter herbs represent the bitterness of slavery. Haro set, an applesauce-like mixture with wine, nuts, apples, etc. Represents the mortar used by Jews in Egypt. 
Carpas or greens, often parsley to represent spring. So, like, they've got all these different items that they use and trying to retell the story of Passover and the different plagues and the, the experience of the Israelites in that time. And, and you know, most of those are not in the Bible. It is an interesting way to retell the story. I mean, the bitter herbs, um, that one is part of the story. But some of the others, not so much. The most important part is the lamb, that there's the Passover lamb, and uh, moving into unleavened bread. Now, it does mention unleavened bread as a traditional aspect. So also placed on the table are three pizzas of matzah. Matzah is a Hebrew word for unleavened bread, a cracker-like unleavened bread. That represent the bread the Israelites took with them when they fled Egypt. And salt water to represent the tears of the slaves. Again, that's an addition. At your seat, you may see a specific wine glass or kiddush cup. Um, the Torah commands that at least four symbolic cups of wine be consumed during the Passover Seder. Again, these are Jewish traditions. I don't remember wine ever being mentioned as part of it. But these traditions aren't necessarily bad. Uh, I, I, they, they could be really quite useful, but it is something that you should think about. It is something you should evaluate uh, when you think about these things. When comparing Passover and Easter, it's often thought that Passover is a Jewish thing and then Easter is a Christian thing. But through some of this that we've already gone over, I, I think I can show that some of the things... Well, many of the things surrounding Easter are a pagan thing. And what they're trying to do is celebrate, uh, well, if, if, if the pagan things aside, uh, the people that celebrate that time are usually trying to honor the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But I would argue that Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, those original festivals, talked about in Leviticus 23 that those are better for honoring those because if we look back at the original story um, if you go to Exodus 12 you'll find that on the 10th day of that first month they were to choose lambs and on the 14th day of that month that lamb was to be slaughtered according to that timeline that is the same time when Yeshua, that is Jesus, that he entered Jerusalem and that he was questioned and tested for a few days. And then on the 14th of that month is when he was crucified. So he is the Passover lamb. He was executed at the very same time that they would have killed the Passover lambs in Jerusalem. Unleavened bread is this idea of doing away with sin, doing away with the teaching that corrupts the truth. That is where some of that comes in. And there's, again, a whole lot that it could go into some other time, but I'm trying to condense this. Then it goes into first fruits. First fruits, that was the first thing that would be waved before Yahweh, is this idea of life. And it showed that, spring this new season has started and when you look at first fruits 
that comes up in the New Testament multiple times, and it's equating Jesus as the firstborn, the first fruits from the dead, that he represents the new life. So here you have Passover represents the death, uh, unleavened bread, the burial, and first fruits, the resurrection. Those items are not just some Jewish things. Those items are for believers today. In my view, that would be much better to honor and commemorate than to do an Easter egg hunt or something like that. One tells the story of the Messiah. You can find the Messiah found within them. These things were designed forever. They were uh, set as memorials, things to remember and look back on. And there is a picture of the Messiah in them. And these aren't really widespread, commonly done by a lot of Christians, but it is growing significantly, especially in the last couple of years. And so what do you do? Where do you go with this? I would say that if you're in a church that practices these things, um, you should question these things like, hey, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Like these aren't really part of the Bible, but but these other things are like, why, why don't we do Passover and look at some of these things? These are the types of questions that you where you can start because there's a whole long road that you can go down and trying to figure out, well, what do we do? And that is a bit of a separate topic. But the first thing you need to do is, is to look into and investigate. Like, where do these things come from? Why do we practice them? What should we be doing today? And with that, I, I want to leave you with this final thought, is that the importance of these things, the reason that we should celebrate anything at all as, as believers in Christ in this time frame, is to remember that he died for our sins, that he died in our place, and that we can be saved from slavery, from sin, and that he has dealt with sin, that he has uh, revealed the truth, and that he rose from the grave so that we can know that we may have life because he is the first fruits. He is the firstborn from the dead. It's through these celebrations that we can look and see the pattern of what the Christ was to experience, that what he was going to suffer, and so that we can know that we can have life with him as well. So is there a comparison that we can make between Passover, first fruits, unleavened bread, and then the things that are typically associated with Easter? It's not really a great comparison at all. Easter is at best misguided, and at worst, extremely pagan in drawing all of these traditions from anything but the Bible. So what are you going to do? I started asking these questions and looking into these items myself a couple years ago. I'm still learning through a lot of these different things, but I can tell you for sure that I'm happy about the road that I have taken. And I'd encourage you to start asking the questions and looking into these things yourself. All right. Peace out, guys.
it is easy to get overwhelmed with all of the details found within the background of Passover and Easter. And I hope that this was helpful in unraveling some of that. This is certainly not an extensive teaching, like it's an introduction. But if you liked it, if it was helpful, let me know. Share it with others, you know, all that stuff. Subscribe, etc., etc., etc. If you have any questions, comments, leave them down below or on the posts, whether you're listening on podcast or through video. I will get back to those, and I'm always looking forward to learning something myself. So if you have something that's interesting that I didn't get into, let me know. Really, we're all in this together. All right, see you guys.